Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the CBL Magazine podcast, produced by Millwall fans for Millwall fans and bringing you the very best Millwall news, views and opinions. and welcome to this Achtung Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. Yes indeed, listeners, it's a beautiful day as Millwall survive in the Championship for another season. Today's show comes in, in two sections. First up, we're going to have some live footage from Saturday's game at home to Bournemouth, the 1-0 win. And then we'll follow that with our usual, regular Achtung Millwall roundtable discussion. So I really hope you enjoy today's show. So let's rewind now back 48 hours, back to the den, 12.15pm, Saturday, May the 3rd. I hope you enjoy Bienvenue, welcome to Achtung Millwall. But then, it's a full house, cataclysmic game. Lewis Graben down with Millwall flu. The stage is set. We're not going to bother going through all the permutations that might or might not keep Millwall up. It really is simple. Win at home, and we stay up. And that's actually all that counts today. So, fingers crossed. This must be one intimidating sight for the Bournemouth side. Three sides of the ground packed to the rafters with Millwall supporters. It's already seen off Lewis Graham. Will it see off Adam Smith? So here we are. The whole season rests on the next 90 minutes. 
Really looking forward to this. Here we go. Today's pantomime, Villain Lewis Graben has not made today's squad. Rumoured to be hiding out in the den's toilets as we speak. Um, Adam Smith has now adopted the new role of Panto Villain of the Day for Millwall fans. Form of getting drawn into the physical contest with Millwall. That suits us, I think, in this environment. It's Walford just in front of the... He tries a shot from distance, just wide. About a yard wide. Four minutes gone. Adam Smith sporting a kind of a quiff, like Tintin or the early Elvis. 1956 Elvis look. Carlos Edwards with the ball. He'll take it. Is it going to be a long one? It is. In it comes. Towards the Hoff. Wins the ball. Morrison nearly. Hoff. Bouncing around. The shot is a save. Unlucky. Hoff's got it back. Gets the corner. There you live! Right, six minutes in. First chance, Millwall. The Den's got to be one of English football's great footballing venues for uh, days like this. The bare pit of English football, as I've seen it described, and it truly is. Morrison tries a long shot that has got more... I've seen snails with more power in their shot than that effort there from Steve Morrison. Ten minutes into the game. Bournemouth on the break, they're thrown goal! Millpower Mil took him down. Is he going to get a, a yellow? A yellow, yellow. Bournemouth on the break. Beavers took his man. It looks like he's got the yellow out. We're waiting on this. Yellow. I thought he was going to get a red. I thought that was going to be a red. Maybe a few more yards, that might have been a clear goal scoring opportunity. Got lucky. Caught a break. 11 minutes in. I don't know about squeaky bum time, more like skid mark bum time for me at the moment. It's going to be a shot on goal, clearly. Here it comes. Through. Oh. Full saved. Full saved. Went wide. Looks like full got down low. He's on the bottom right hand side of the goal. Full pushed it round. Corner. Scott Malone with a free kick just inside the middle half. It forwards towards Meyerhofer, who nods it on, it's in there, it's Morrison, he's in the crossbar, Wolfer can't get the rebound, unlucky, 21 minutes, Morrison, it's the crossbar. Here come Bournemouth, 22 minutes gone, on the attack, he beats his man, he's going towards the middle penalty area, number eight. Clips it back. Oh, this 18 heads over. Referee's given a corner. Chipped into the box. Off uh, Paul takes. He's had a little bit of a rattly day so far, day before, but he took that comfortably enough. And punts it forward towards Meyerhofer. He's running like a gazelle down that right-hand side. A German gazelle. He beats his man. Nicely done. Back to Garvin. What can he do? Wolford. It's all It's Williams. He shoots. Steam goal. It's the Hoff. He misses. How did he miss? He's offside. He's offside. How did he miss it, even if he was offside? 23 minutes gone. Mayhofer offside there. Thought it was a chance for a moment. 
Bournemouth for the attack there. 28 looks like a dangerous player. He's on the attack. He's running Bailey inside out. He's worked a shot and stinging shot. The full kind of mishandles around the post. He looks like a decent player, that 28. I don't know who he is. Is that the bloke they signed for a couple of million pounds to replace Graben, who's still hiding in the toilets? Could be. He's making himself available, that 28. But he's pumped it long. The 15's got it. Can he get a shot on goal? Ew, wide. Just inches wide. That was lucky. Decent kind of dipping shot from their 15. Nil-nil. 27 minutes. 28 minutes. Mill getting a little bit panicky in defence. Just making some decisions that are a bit... Um, like nervous breakdown type decisions, you know what I mean? Here comes Malone down the left. Cuts inside, loses it. Garvin wins it back. Good play. In it comes. It's a goal! Wolfram! On the wall! 28 minutes, that's it! Crossing from uh, Garvin, done really well to win the ball back. Crosses in, glancing header from Wolford, he's in and there. One nil Millwall. Big weight off our shoulders, big, big weight off our shoulders. Critical, critical goal for Millwall. Bournemouth knocking the ball around at the back a little. Smith. Clipped by Morrison. Smith is now rolling around like he's been poleaxed. He was clipped. No more than that. No more than that. A horrible, horrible, scrawny little player Adam Smith is. To think we once loved him. The 28 is a dangerous player, I'll tell you that much. He's done well. He ran through three or four players there. He looks like a quality, quality turn. If I can be bothered, I'll find out his name at some stage during this podcast. Substitution here. Looks like Robbo's coming in. Beavers must have taken a knock. Robinson's coming into the game. 33 minutes. You can only presume Beavers has carried a knock because uh, I thought he'd been doing okay, but clearly not. Robbo's coming in. There's many permutations on what uh, might send us down today. One of which is that we draw. I think Birmingham win and Doncaster win by two. So... Um, we can't really afford anything other than the win today, so let's keep it tight and keep going. Certainly in a very strong position. The second goal will be fucking fantastic, listeners. Fantastic. Smith rolling, Smith rolling around the floor like he's been shot again. A most unlovable character, Adam Smith. Unlovable. And there's no love for him down here, I can tell you that much, listeners. Holloway getting involved in a row down there with Eddie Howe about a, a, an alleged elbow on Steve Morrison. Fourth official's trying to separate him. He's having a right old go at Howe. I mean, he wants to have a pop. He's having a right old dig at him. Here come Millwall. The Hoff's after it. The Hoff is after him. After Adam Smith. Like a German U-boat chasing down its prey. Bailey takes him out. Smith applauds, ironically, that challenge. Bailey's going to get a yellow. 
Smith playing to the crowd. He's getting some abuse from the size, he can hear it, he knows. I think he knows he's not on the middle Christmas card list. <laughs> Smith with a ball now, and he goes over. Smith is falling over at the slightest, slightest challenge now. Shaking his head, he is. Referee losing control of this, getting a little bit too frenetic out there for him. Here comes Bailey, intercepts nicely. As a sound of own football, interception. Oh, Smith Barnes is overdone now. The crowd want him off. He's got to get a yellow. Off is a bit strong. He's losing the plot as well. Fantastic. The theatre of the den draws them all in in the end. And Smith is falling for it. He's getting drawn into the, the atmosphere of this ground right now, right now, the situation. He knows he's hated, the crowd are paying for his blood and he's playing up to it. Big mistake on his part, he's actually quite a skillful player, but the more he gets drawn into that stuff, he's going to get a second yellow at some stage, bark my words. One minute of overtime plays, a mill free kick, the ball's going to be swung in towards the big men in the corner there. The Hoff just misses a touch in. Unlucky, unlucky. That should do us. End of the first half, Millwall one, Bournemouth nil. Hyper. Good performance, Millwall. They've largely bossed that first half. Bournemouth have looked dangerous when they've gone forwards. Another 45 minutes of this to go. Jesus. Second half. They take the Smith out again. No pantomime villain for the second half. <laughs> Only that 28, it looks quite good. Here we go, second half's underway. 45 minutes to get through. And safety for another season. The 28 has got the ball up front. He does. He looks like a really dangerous player to me. I would like to see the back of him. Hoffmeyer gets free. Ball still bobbling around. Falls to Wolford. Can he get a shot on goal? It's cleared. He just lost control of it. It was a mistake in defence. My Hoffmeyer nicked the ball, but couldn't ever quite get it under control. 52 minutes gone. Right again behind the lines now. 57 minutes in the clock. We'll press them back to their own goalkeeper. He's fasting about a bit. Morrison's doing some work. He's actually doing some work in this game. On the right-hand side of uh, midfield. The front midfield three. Here comes Morrison. Coming down the right-hand wing now. He can't beat his man. It's a throw. Brady blocks. Nicely done. Bailey done some work there. Body, body block, and then makes a tackle to clear the ball. Good work, Vicky Bailey. 60th minute approaching. Mill one ball with Mill still. Long throw in. 61 minutes towards Bailey. Clears. Bobbling around in there. Bournemouth got men forwards. It's chipped back. 
Oh, Bob, Bob makes a glass save. That was a header on goal, coming downwards towards the bottom left-hand side of the goal. Bob makes a, a, a quality save, and he's getting a standing ovation clap. Simeon Jackson coming, looks like a half, and it is the half that's going to go out of the game. 63 minutes. My half again, good round of applause. Good, good applause for him. He's had his, had his requisite hour. And now Simeon Jackson gets his requisite half an hour. Bailey does well again. Man of the match so far for me, Nicky Bailey, is doing a job in that central defensive mid midfield position. Really liking what I'm seeing. Jackson's through. Can he cook? Can he finish He misses! Jesus Christ almighty! Defensive error puts Simeon Jackson through. He puts it wide of the goalkeeper and wide of the right-hand post. That was a real chance to seal it. Real chance. Missed. Let's hope that don't come back to haunt us. That would have wrapped it up at 2-0. Not 100% convinced of Simeon Jackson, if I'm going to be really honest with you listeners. He may be a casualty of the summer, mightn't he? That was a glaring miss he made there. Here's to Carlos Eberto. I like Carlos Edwards. He's through into the penalty area. He slips. <laughs> goalkeeper takes a, a slip shot from, from uh, Edwards, who fell over as he was shooting, but a goalkeeper seems to have taken an hour play for a corner. Schoolboy error, schoolboy error. Crossing now from Carlos Edwards towards Jackson. It falls back to Malone, who does a... Oh! A Brazilian-style scissor shot from Scott Malone on target. Top left-hand corner, pushed around for a corner by the goalkeeper. Nice. Here comes Simeon Jackson now. Gets a shot, it blocks. It's through again. Can he do it this time? He misses again! Fucking hell! What a fortunate uh, rebound, but was through on goal and puts it inches wide again. Making a career going inches wide. Sell him in the summer, let's sell him. Bournemouth on the attack. It comes to 10. Cuts inside. Line up for a ball into the penalty area. Oh! Before a shot, it was low. Ball uh, kicked it away. Done very well to get anything on it at all. So Garvan's going to take 81 minutes. Free kick, kind of right-hand side, just outside the Bournemouth penalty area. And it comes... Morris has got it. Ah, oh, corner. Unlucky. That was a kind of a, I don't know if it was a cross. I don't think it was a shot, but it was a cross that hit the post. Flicked into the penalty area. The 28. It hole. World class pop. World class pop by Ford. The 28 was through. Ford puts his body on the line and keeps it out. That's a, a division saving season uh, save potentially. Very, very well done, David Ford there. Coming up for the 85th minute. Bournemouth still looking to work a goal here. Ryan Fredericks coming into the game. Scott Malone leaving. Looks like he's um, taking a knock or he's stretched or something. Ryan Fredericks comes in for the last five minutes. 
Yes, please keep off the pitch. Incidentally, has anyone ever seen Mr. By for now? Or does he, you know, is he like David Bowie in the in the hunger where he's, he just gets wheeled out from a coffin? Neither dead nor alive. I think we should be told. Once again, fans, for the benefit of the broadcast supporters, please take off the pitch. The players will return to the pitch to acknowledge our fantastic supporters. Yes, keep off the pitch. Don't even think about it. Don't spoil it. Last three seconds of regular time. Policemen line the pitch, standing like they're on some kind of parade grounds. I'm sure fans are going to love them if you're sat right in front of them. Three minutes, three minutes. Three minutes. Kick it right at them, Fordy. Fordy nearly concedes a goal there, listeners. I'm, I'm too focused on watching the special patrol group line the side of the den pitch. Fordy nearly gave the ball away and gave the uh, Bournemouth player a free shot on goal from, from uh, about 30 yards out and he missed it wide. Nervous stuff. 90 plus 2 now. One minute to go, listeners. One minute. Bournemouth on the attack. Coming down by the line of policemen. Ball comes crossed in. Dunn gets it. Fredericks gets it to Bailey. Back to Fredericks. Punt it forward, Fredericks. No time for football, boy. Here's Bournemouth. They play it long into the middle box. JT's got it now. Dinked back in. Full takes. Don't fight for that. Less than 30 seconds to go now, listeners. Fifteen seconds. Safety assured, kids streaming on the pitch, the policeman can't stop them, players running from the, from the pitch. That was tense, listeners, that was tense. Okay, so welcome back to the Afton Millwall Show. Um, with me, there's a slightly reduced panel today, um, a slightly ragged round the edges panel, I have to say. We have no Derek King, but with me is Mr. Don Bone. How do you do? And a slightly tired and emotional Mr. Peter Hurd. Afternoon. <laughs> um, thanks for coming on the show, chaps. We're talking about yesterday's um, one nil win over AFC Bournemouth. It turned out for me not to be as tense as I thought it was going to be. I've got to be honest. I don't think we were ever in any danger. Did you I not? I was quite relaxed, I've got to say. I, I was quite relaxed. I, was, I wouldn't say I was relaxed. I wasn't at all. I wasn't relaxed. And even when it, when, when it started, and I thought, well, fuck's sake, they haven't come up. You don't expect teams to come and lie down and no. lie to you anyway, even no. if they've nothing to play for. But I thought, fucking hell, they're, they're, 
They want to beat us, don't they? You can see those. Well, they did want to beat us. And and we, we, uh, we were in a bit of a storm, didn't we, to start with? I thought so, anyway. And we just made a little um, joke at Graben's expense, but I thought that number 28, that forward they brought in, um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but I thought he looked quite dangerous. Yeah, and very lively. Yeah, He's very quick, wasn't Very he? quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, if I, were, if I were Lewis Graben, which is an odd, an odd image to put in my mind, yeah, but if I were him, I'd be quite worried because that man looks like he could lead the line and, and looks quite a dangerous striker for next season. But no, they, they did want it, and um, I, I posted yesterday on, on Twitter that um, we won that game. I thought we won it. We, we didn't just have it gifted to us. It was, no. This was no end of season. No, no definitely not. Um, no. Run around no, no, no. For, from the um, Bournemouth point of view. Um, I felt a lot more relieved once that first goal went in, that's, that's for sure, or the only goal, I should say, from Walford. Because we missed a couple of chances, didn't we? I, mean, I know that Hofford um, wasted one prior to that. Dear, dear. I mean, he's lucky that the, that the flag came up and saved, saved his embarrassment, really, yeah. didn't he? It? It's a pity Derek's not here, because he's, he's got quite strong views on the Hoff. Um, I, I mean, do you like the Hoff, Dom? Do you, I, 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 I judge things on whether... I'd, I'd, be looking forward to seeing him play next season. Yeah. And I don't really care if he does or not, which mm. tells me all I need to know about my thoughts on him. You know, he was a, a bit part player in, in what Holloway wanted to do, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, you look at him and he's a... Um, I hate doing the comparisons with, with Bob Peters and that yeah. like that, you know, yeah. but that's the sort of player he was. He's a big fella up front and he causes pandemonium in their defence. He doesn't actually do anything... He doesn't jump particularly well. I mean, he wins a lot in the same air. Same thing again, isn't it? Yeah, he, he wins a lot, just purely against the tall. Fellas that high, I think they don't have to jump. But he doesn't seem to lean very high. That's that's for sure. Um, I I, I don't know where you stand, Peter. I, I quite like him. I mean, I'll, I'll put my hands up. I quite like what he's brought to the team. I think I think he's he started doing what Morrison didn't particularly do well, which is the running around when they're trying to play out from the back. Yeah. He's the first defender, if you like. Yeah. He, I, I think Don summed it up brilliantly. You know, he causes pandemonium, and I think that leaves gaps. To yeah. be honest, I think yeah. a lot of teams. There was one game, one of the last home games, not Doncaster, the game before. I think where at one point, as Fordy was kicking the ball out, they had three, three men around him. him. Yeah. Now that will that will just bring a different dimension to the game when you've got the Walfords and the Martins who can cut in, maybe use that space. Would I like to see him as a permanent feature? No, I don't think I would. I'd like to see. A similar player yeah. with a little bit more guile and a little bit more craft, if if that's the right word. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can knock him from the work side of the game. I no. think he does do the work. I, 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 it's a shame Derek's not here. And in all seriousness, because I know that he's he's been quite critical of, of my offer, and I think he's probably most critical if I'm paraphrasing for the quality side. I, I think he doesn't he, yeah. he he does miss chances. We saw that yesterday. Chances that should be put away at this level. Um, but for me, um, he makes errors, of course, but then he does the work to put them right. So he has a slight uh, Jimmy Addo touch about mm, him yeah. in that sense. And those kinds of players are beloved at Millwall because they're the triers and it almost runs in their DNA. That's what we like. Um, does he have a future? Um, possibly, possibly. I, I, I would see him possibly on the bench a lot more than starting. But coming off the bench, it, the fear factor... I think Holloway's alluded to the fact that he's difficult to manage. He said something in one of the one of the press articles that when he was I think it was mind games where he was saying he might not be fit and he's you know mm. he's had to pull him up about things. Um being substituted in the last game with QPR, I think. Yeah. Um Holloway came out and publicly had a go at him saying, 
one minute he was signalling he wanted to come off. Yeah. And then he reacted badly when I took him off. Um, so I don't know whether a Holloway wants players there who are a bit disruptive, maybe, or a bit high maintenance. But in terms of, you know, his ability, I mean, you know, I look back at his record, I mean, he was at Bayern Munich for a long time, you know. Yeah. You're not at a club like that unless you've got a little bit of something about you. No. Um, you know, he hasn't done particularly lots of, you know, training this year, I don't think. Yeah, that's the other thing. We, he might be he a might different player in the summer. Yeah, yeah we, we, uh, he's uh, never, squad since player. he's come, he hasn't played a full game, has he? At substituted best, or... At best squad player for me. But, you know, I think, I think I said it before, you know, certainly online, I think you can start again with our front line, the mm. entire front line. I think the five strikers have got to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting point. I mean, I Morrison also is he's been on loan. I think we've all forgotten he's been on loan. Yeah. Not, we haven't signed him. That loan comes for it's now out. It's finished it. now. It's, it's finished, so he returns to Leeds. Um, that wasn't the Steve Morrison that I expected, but then, you know, we, we will come to the season as a whole later. We were just talking about yesterday's game, really. I mean, I, I take the point that there was a... Once the goal went in, I think there was a weight lifted off of everyone's shoulders in the den. I would have liked to have seen, um, uh, was it Simeon Jackson in the second half? He had a couple of opportunities. Yeah. One-on-one one one with a goalkeeper and we've missed two. I think Easter would have scored one, at least one of them. Well, see, that's an interesting point because I read online that uh, on Alex's uh, news at Den that we've signed um, Jermaine Easter for another yeah. season. And yet, he doesn't seem to be the favoured substitute coming off the bench. Yeah. I don't think he's injured. I think he's available. Yeah. Um, but we've seen Simeon Jackson, who's not a player that I particularly rated. I, I, um, average at, at best. Those two chances went begging in a, in a high-pressure situation yesterday. And that's really where you look for your, your strikers to do, do their job. So... I found that quite interesting. Holloway has some inconsistencies at times. Um, yeah. Why why he didn't choose Easter and why he didn't play yesterday, I, I don't know, because I, I think you're right, Pete. I think that would have been meat and drink too. I think yesterday's game was down to maybe three people out on the pitch more than more than anyone else, and that was probably Ford with his, his four or five... A couple of world-class games. A couple of world-class, but five you know, that could have turned the game. Yeah. I thought Dunn was absolutely immense yeah. in the back four. Um and you know, I thought Edwards played really, really well. I like Edwards, he's got a lot he's got a bit Carlos of Carlos Edwards, I mean yeah, I mean he's a player that I, I I would pick out. Nicky Bailey also has come into his own Bailey, yeah, last Bailey month. Well. Um, we did I don't think we truly saw the real Nicky Bailey for whatever reason prior to this month, but I can't disagree with any of those names. I mean Ford saves um against the twenty eight, I don't know I don't know the yeah. guy's name. World class stuff about that, you know, that was instinctive, close range, top level goalkeeping. And I think yeah. player of the season, David Ford, and we, I think we're just immensely lucky to have had him. I hope we can keep him because you don't get goalkeeping. I think all the body language between him and Berylson yesterday and all that, you know. Well, they're having a cigar together. Yeah. Which is nice to see. You know, um, they obviously get on, and I think if, if it's within Berylson's gift to give, I think he'll try and sign him again. I know there's an offer on the table. I think maybe Ford's hedging his bets to see what other bids what come in. On. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, the guy's 35 now, he's entering the twilight zone of his yeah. career and you would blame him for going and getting a big payday, you know, be that at Wolves or, you know, wherever. QPR or wherever. No, I, I would agree with that. I mean, Alan Dunn, we, we, you've mentioned there, Peter. I mean, again, an immense performance yesterday, given that there was a quality striker that he was battling with all afternoon and, you know, he, he won some, he lost some in that, in that battle, but I thought we did a real job there. I mean, 
What amazes me is he seems to be picking up less bookings at centre-half than he did at right-back. Now, whether that was because he was getting found out pace-wise at right-back, yeah, um, and he doesn't rely on that so much at centre-half, I mean, he's not a particularly big player, but he, you know, he's, he's looked quite composed at centre half. He's almost centre-half. reinvented himself, hasn't he? Yeah, as a centre half. Yeah, strange, and I think you know, again, from what Holloway said, I think you know the the, the bollocking that he dished out to the other players is probably our turning point. I think you know he he wears his heart on his sleeve. This was the fabled training ground, yeah, Basta. Basta. Yeah, and he was one of the main protagonists and yeah. said, you know, this is my club. I'll be here next year. Yeah. Fuckers won. Yeah, um, yeah. If you don't like it, fuck off now, sort of thing. So I think you're right. That did seem to be a turning point. The team that seemed to um, come out of that dispute, which is the team that has, that's largely got us through this uh, magical April that we've had. When you look at those results for April, um, the bust up and the, the exchange of views seems to have sorted the wheat from the chaff, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's, I suppose it's interesting who's not been in the team was not featured. So. Um, that, that that was certainly a turning point. I mean, Adam Dunn, well done. I mean, Ford won the player of the season. I don't think Dunn wouldn't be the bad shout for that himself, given the leadership yeah. role he's played. I mean, Walford was unlucky um, not to have won it. Walford's done well. I, I, I quite like um, Martin Walford. He's, he's, he's ended up top scorer, top scorer hasn't he? Yeah. Goals, hasn't he? But every time he's got the ball in every game, really, I mean, even during the, 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 the three quarters of the two, uh, nine tenths of the season, it was a slump. He's always looked dangerous on the ball for me. Even in his shit games, he's always a goal for And willing, willing to make himself, on, yeah. put himself out there. You can't knock that. And we've mentioned Nicky Bailey. I think he's been a bit of a revelation since he's come back. Since in. he's come back, yeah. 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 I, mean, the vision... I remember if we go back a few um, actual mill walls when, yeah, yeah. when um, Lomas had gone and Holloway had come in and was saying about, and I remember I was up in the executive bit when Holloway done his first yes. speech now, yeah, yeah. and he did say back then that Nicky Bailey was going to be his, his main hold, man. He's like his yeah. holding midfield player, yeah. and I remember him saying, he said because he can't run from one end to the other and back again, everyone laughed. Yeah, yeah. And I remember Holloway saying, no, look, I'm not, I'm not a comedian. I'm not <laughs> saying it as a joke. I'm telling you, that's what the, the player is not capable of doing it. Yeah, that's yeah. not what we want him to do. But everyone still carried on laughing and thought yeah. it was just. He's taking the piss out of a fat Nicky Bailey. That's yeah, what, yeah. you know. That's what they, the perception was. Yeah. But see, he he must have known back then what he was going to do with that player and how he was going to try and mould him into what he wants. And I think you're right. When he came back, I mean, I, think, I, I must have put my hands. I'm sure I was one and said, you know, why was he putting him back in the team for? But that's why he's a manager and I'm not. You know, a football manager. He knows <laughs> what he's doing and mm. what he hope he does. I think Bailey also. I mean, he occupies that space in front of the. the yeah, he does. Seat. He sits there and he likes to get the ball. You see, he's never shy, is he? No, asking for the he's ball. always he wants available. the ball. And yeah. they, and what's happened is they started looking for him. In my opinion, sometimes too much. Yeah. They put him under under a bit of pressure unnecessarily. Like you know, they they get the ball and they're obviously looking to see where he is. And sometimes he's not in the right place to get that ball, but they still give it to him anyway. Yeah. And I mean, it happened a couple of times yesterday, but they got themselves out of it by a few quick passes. And everyone went, oh well, well done, like you know, well done. But yeah, because yeah, gone spectacularly wrong, very easy there. But well, the only criticism, and it's not criticism because it's been effective for us, but I think it, what can be predictable from Bailey is this regular long angled pass he gets the ball in front of the defenders and usually in our own half yeah. and then we'll spray a long angled pass yeah. out wide now it's normally looking for Morrison who's probably the best outlet for that we've just lost Lee Martin to injury but also Walford now we've, we've, uh, we've mentioned good, a good move but I just think we overdo it sometimes we overcook that because that will be picked up on 
it's worked it during April, but that we can't carry on relying on that next. There was season. a bit of commentators curse yesterday because I was I was full rant mode about Garvin and what was he bringing to the team, and then he put the beautiful fucking crossover, bosh <laughs> the balls in the back of the net. So, but you know, I don't think he was particularly you know effective yesterday, other than that little passage of play. That and he hit the post. He lost the free ball. kick, didn't he? Which was one of them. Apart from that, what did he do? But that was one of them free kicks that you see time and time again. It's just ball into the box, and everyone stands and watches it, and it goes past everybody. Yeah, there was one bit where he lost the ball and he just sort of stopped and you know he, he exposed Edwards and that at the back and the guy ran through the winger sort of ran through edge of the box and hit a shot and I thought that would have been Garvin's fault you know and he didn't even make an attempt to mm. get back I think the work rate on Garvin I think Garvin is a little bit like Upson he has one of these cultured reputations which means he probably doesn't do the, the, the heavy lifting yeah, side of the job yeah, yeah. Um, that may, you know, it's going to be in an interesting summertime. But he's uh, another, I'll, I'll lose track of these, but is he on loan? Or? He's on loan. He's on loan for Crystal Palace. He's got a year left on his Palace contract, but, you know, I've seen nothing that says he's Premier Class, so, you know, he'd probably favour a move and first team football to us. But is, does he fit into the plan? Don's mentioned Carlos Edwards. Um, I just want to pick him out. I think he's been a real revelation. He did as well, but I, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm well I'm, happy with him. Oh. I mean, when, when we first signed him up. Well, 35 year old. Was he, you know, also um, that bad? Was he left back? Right back. Right back. Right well, back. he's right, more like right midfield than he right back. He was right back, midfield. He was a striker at one point as well, wasn't he? But he's, he can, he's like a whip it, isn't he? And that's yeah. the sort of player yeah. Holloway like. And his first well, touch is amazing. He's very good. He, you yeah. know, he, he plays with his head up. Yeah. You know, he really his distribution is spot on. He really gives away a silly pass. Yeah. He he knows when to overlap and when to run on and when to string back. Yeah. I, I, I think he's worth a year's contract. Exactly, no, just a year. Something I wouldn't disagree with that. Nothing too. I mean, he's out of contract anyway. Yeah. He's, he's out of contract. So we just sign him anyway. Someone posted on Twitter wondering who the right back is at Ipswich Town because whether if he's English, he should be going to Brazil in the summertime because. They can afford to let Carlos Edwards go, go. Then what right back they must have to replace. Well, as Derek's not here, I'll say it for him. Um, you know, we seem to do well with full-backs from uh, Ipswich, don't we? Because Scotty Barron was Premier Class. Where did Tr- Liam Trotter come from? <laughs> We're going to take a little break at that point, and we'll be right back after these messages. CBL Magazine is the fanzine that's written by Millwall fans for Millwall fans. It's on sale before every home game at the Zampa Road entrance gate, and it costs just two quid. And profits this season from CBL will support the Free Kicks Foundation. So why not pick up a copy next time you're at the den? No one likes Millwall, but everyone loves CBL. to the show. Um, okay, so we've, we've run through some highlights from yesterday and we've mentioned a few players uh, that stood out there. I mean, I've got on my agenda here players of the season. They're probably going to be pretty much the same players that we just mentioned, really. I don't, yeah, I don't see there, there is no other choice. I mean, Scott Malone, I suppose, would be another choice that might um, might be worth a Runner shot. Runner-up. Yeah. Runner-up yesterday. Yeah. You can't underestimate Besson, you know, the... <laughs> The contributions made the season's been... Hold your, hold your horses, Peter. We've got villains of the season now. Let's do that. That might give us a bit more um, uh, food for thought here. Villains of the season, chaps. <sighs> One candidate, surely, is Steve Lomas. Is the villain of the well, season. He's, yeah. he's the obvious choice. Um, I mean, I've got the fitness coach. Oh, he's another one. I mean, he was... I know Bongo likes him. 
<laughs> the fitness coach that weighed about 20 stone, he's, he's, he's gone now. That's I've, generous, Nick, 20. You've mentioned Bassoni, and um, I've got Justin Hoyt. Hoyt is the other one I was going to mention, yeah. But and, um, that was a lonely signing. Who was that fallback we got from fucking Leeds? Connolly. Connolly. Paul Connolly. Connolly. Yeah. Forgot Guy Moosey. Guy Moosey. We had him on, uh, out there as well, didn't we? Um, it's been a strange season in that way. I mean, the... the, the I thought villains are seen as they're not really villains, they're just incompetent and freeloaders, which is what football's full of. But it says why we've had 42 players, the highest in 42 the 42 players is a yeah. massive number, that's, that's the highest ever, I think, in, in our history in, in a single season. Which, I, you know, it, it, when you say that, it sounds slightly shocking, but actually, the modern football scene is now based on the loan idea that there's a whole industry built around short term loans, so you will have larger squads than what we were used to back in the, you know, the 70s. But it doesn't help um, cohesion. It's also been interesting, um, just dwelling on another point on it, as as the team has kind of stuck together and as we've had consistency, so the results so have been improved. Have been consistently better. So, you know, that, that's a football cliche and a football truism that seems to have dawned on me in Holloway quite, um, quite late, but just in time. Because um, contrasting uh, miserable March with incredible April there, um, we had some shocking results during, during March. Um, and that was two months into his reign, so it, it's taken a while, but finally we seem to have found the magic, the magic solution. Again, though, just to pick up on that, I'm looking at the March results now. We had some terrible results. We didn't get any fearful hammerings, did we? Again, they're all one nils. They're all, you know, nil nil, two one, uh, one nil against Blackpool, um, one nil against Brighton, three two against Birmingham. It seems that we didn't get any spankings in. No, I mean, I've, I've written here what's the secret of Ian Holloway's recent success in brackets, and it has, it has come late, but it came just in time, so success happened in the end, and I think you're right, Peter, he seemed to extinguish the... Um, he shored it up, didn't he? We did, the shocking results. Yeah, we were, we were yeah. shipping in goals, right, and, and tomorrow, we still, I think, oh, I ain't got the league table there, but... I'm sure our, we still had the worst oh, goals against it. Well, yeah, some of the teams around us were doing their best to catch up, weren't they? I, I mean, the, the minus goal difference in the end became much of a much list because we were around other teams that also shipped uh, quite large um, imbalances yeah. of goals. Um, I think Doncaster needed a two-goal um, win and, and for, you know, yeah. for us to lose yesterday for them to have a chance. So I, I think you're right. I mean, there's two results I looked at since Holloway starts where we conceded three goals. I think that was the home defeat to um, Burnley. Birmingham beat us 3-2. Burnley beat us 3-1. Yeah, Burnley 3-1, Reading 3-0. But otherwise, we're talking nils, ones and, and twos. They're, they're teams in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, Reading and Burnley, well, not in the playoffs, Reading, but um, Burnley. Yeah, it's no disgrace really losing away 3-1 to Burnley, is it? I don't know. He's kept faith with his passing style. I will say that for him. Um, where Lomas abandoned it, started down the same route and abandoned it. The other interesting thing is, you know, I'm not, on a, I'm not a great stato, but I've been looking at some of the, the possession stats. And in the last six or seven games, we have been getting near to 60 and 65% possession. Now, you know, I know a lot of managers use the old adage that if, you, if your opponents ain't got the ball, they can't score against you. Now, if we, can, if we can turn the possession and the dominance in play and get that cutting edge, maybe it does bode well for next season, you know. I think the possession's an important point. I mean, just going back a week to QPR, um, given the amount of money that's required to assemble QPR's team, they're bringing players off the bench that are costing, you know, millions of pounds. Yeah. Again, you're right, we outpossessed them in the first half, we controlled the game and we kept possession. It was probably more even in the second and they maybe bossed it a little bit. 
but that was quite an achievement, I thought, given the, the comparative imbalance of the budgets required for both sides. And you're right, if you you know, if we got the ball and they don't have the football, they're not gonna score a goal, are they? So I mean QPR has seven players that are on more than fifty grand a week in their first team. Value for money was ten million yeah. more than Borussia Dortmund. Let's hope they fail in the playoffs that they've managed to as soon as that they're on a one way street if they don't make it back to the Premier League. Um <coughs> Highlights of the season. Don't got any highlights you want to pick out, mate? Vastly overrated <laughs> this season, but I did, I really did enjoy going out to Wigan and watching us win up there. Yeah. And I loved watching us win at Middlesbrough as well. Yeah. And yeah, them sort of things, but in truth, I suppose the, the, the highlight for me, this is going to sound really lame, was Ian Holloway coming, yeah. coming in and taking over the club for us, really. But, you know, that was because I, I couldn't see. There was no light at the end of the tunnel back then, was there? I mean, highlights, you've probably got on there for low lights as well. But well, that's going to be our next point, which f- should be the rest of the season. It it from to South End in the Cup, hadn't we? I mean, that was a low light, mighty. Yeah. Where was we going from that? I remember coming out of Bruce Hall there, going back to the car, and went, what the fucking hell was that all yeah. about, you know? How could it get any worse? You know, that's what we were thinking. And then you go and watch it, and you think, Jesus, I hate Christ, yeah. right, you know? Highlights, something I'll, I'll pick out a slightly unusual highlight, and that was back in the Lomas era, because there was a man that we, we've, we've slated him to death, but um, the, the, the home win over Leeds was not a bad performance. It was only one of the three wins I think we gained under, under Steve Lomas. Yeah. Um, that was not a bad performance. I also quite enjoyed um, the home draw with QPR. I thought it was an excellent game. Yeah. Um, as a game of football, I, th- I, thought, I thought we competed well. Harry Redknapp got the uh, ball in the face, face so that, that, that in itself is a highlight for any Millwall supporters year. Um, but just on the series, I mean, we, we, we clawed our way back into a game that possibly we didn't deserve to, but we did it by sheer um, willpower. So to me, I, I, the low mass era was, was a, low, a low light, and we'll, we'll come on to that, but those, those moments just told me there was something there in that team that just needed to be ignited. And Lomas clearly wasn't the man to do that. And also, I know we didn't really use it as a spring ball, but I think the Ipswich game, the home win against mm. Ipswich, was quite a big step because had we got smacked by them in Holloway's first game, yeah. we could have been looking at a different outcome for the end of the season. I mean, that three points you know, might be the points that kept us up. You could pick on any home win or any win, the, the three away wins in the, on the trot, obviously. Um, but actually, the atmosphere there and the way the team reacted was yeah. a highlight for me. Sadly, it didn't it didn't come to match. It fizzled out a little bit. But uh, I think Holloway was doing what any new manager does. He started rotating players, started playing with different systems, the five-up-front system and whatever, just to see what he had. Mm. Now, he was doing it at a critical point in the season, which takes a bit of, bit of guts, really, because for most new managers, they come at the beginning of the season... They do that in the first 11 games and it don't really matter. You know, they say don't look at the league table until Easter, don't they? Mm. But he was doing it in the January, February spell when it was a bit touch and go. But I think all new managers have got to give their players a run and see what they've got and who links up and who don't. The Ipswich result, I think, also probably bought um, Holloway a little bit more um, time, credit, yeah. because there was a demonstration there was a real Millwall spirit to be had if yeah. only we could tap into that. Um, had we lost it, had we lost it bad, had there been another collapse like we'd seen in the, in the results preceding that, um, then possibly, possibly, you know, he wouldn't have had so many, so much toleration, I should say, for some of the other performances that followed, which weren't always so, so great. Lowlights, come on, let's do the lowlights. 
What's your low point, Peter? What was your low point? I mean, Southend Don's mentioned already. South, yeah, Southend's got to be up there, isn't it? Um, I been, think I think actually the Blackburn game as well. I mean, to you know. Yeah, um, it was two two. two, two. Ford dropped the ball, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it felt yeah, like yeah, a defeat. Felt like yeah. we lost it. Yeah, was two weeks. That was a black one. Yeah, we yeah. gave it away in the last minute. It yeah. was. I think it was ninety third minute. Yeah, it? silly. And again, that if we'd have won that game, yeah, two one, then we wouldn't have been having squeaky bums on the no. last day of the season. But that felt like a defeat. I think obviously the South End game, and uh, basically the whole low mass experience really what had come. Yeah, I mean. I just looking back through the result, you try and fucking brush them from your memory, don't you? But really, <laughs> Darby. In, in truthfully, Derby being five one at home, I mean, yeah, that was insane. Yeah, that but was... go right back to the first game of the season and all your hopes and expectations young there, young there, young there. Young you're young playing Yeovil and then you lose one 0 Yeah, you think to yourself, for fuck's sake, I'll be honest though, changed, I expected you know? to lose to Yeovil. I really did because they'd come up and they was on a high. You get that bounce, don't you? You know, every team that gets promoted has a little run at the beginning of the season. I just that, I had a feeling going into that game that they was going to turn. That one affected me less. I think probably a little bit of what you're saying there, Peter. We had a new manager at the time. Then yeah. all right, he'd had a mixed reception. But I, I, I personally was hoping for the best. And um, their manager was also the one who was a lot of our fans' choices. Yes, the, the recipe was there, wasn't it? Yeah, for him to come and turn us over. Uh, yeah. Gary Johnson, um, the London boy. Yeah. He, he knew his way around the lower leagues. It was almost a, a tailor-made um, fit for us, but. I, I, I had less, um, that affected me less. I think what bothered me, apart from the obvious thumpings early on in the season, but certainly in the latter second half of the season, is how we weren't getting results against our relegation rivals. That was like a, that was a death of a thousand cuts. We, we, um, we weren't pulling off results against teams that we needed to in that relegation mini-league. Well, we kept having six-pointers that... We had six-pointers, we were blind. We nine-pointers, 28-pointers, I think. We got it out to in this Most moment, recently, the uh, Milwaukee Doncaster nil nil is on the twenty first. Now, despite a good April, I think if we can win that, we yeah. give ourselves a, a, a gap. We it? have a cushion. We can go to QPR, not needing a result, and Bournemouth. Who knows what? We're, what we're Same old Millwall, don't it? Do the hard way, get three away wins. Charlton nil nil, another one. I thought we must beat Charlton at home. That's another. You know, we send them into problems, pull ourselves away. And we weren't doing that. And I, I think the Blackpool one nil away loss in, in early March. I, for me, that was the low light, if, if you want to put it that way. Less, the other results are probably a little bit more obvious, but that was like death of a thousand cuts because bit by bit you're having your spirit broken yeah. by these defeats and draws against mediocre sides. I mean, Charlton, I thought, was a very mediocre side and they set up to get a nil-nil draw and they got it. And that was heartbreaking. So gradually that, until we got into April, and as the month wore along, obviously improved, but that was, that was the thing that broke my, broke my spirit slightly. We're going to take a little break there and we'll come back after these messages to talk about the um, rest of the Mill News. You come from a land down under, beautiful beaches, huge skies and endless sunshine. Yeah, but what's missing? There's only one answer to that, mate. Millwall. But now no worries. There's a group of like-minded Aussie Millwall fans that want to hear from you. The Millwall Down Under group are based in Sydney. They have Lions fans from all over us. They're looking for new members for regular get-togethers and five-a-side tournaments. All against other expat British football fans. So they don't have to leave your heart at Cold Blow Lane, because Millwall are Down Under too. How do you get in touch then? Google search the Football Fans Down Under website 
or easier still, email bondilime at gmail.com. Rip up. Welcome back. Okay, so we're going to go through some other items on the, on the agenda. The Bulls, gentlemen, are meeting to analyse the mistakes of the season. They're going to have a three-day away day. It's three days now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the no, I mean, you, you, the, the mistakes of the season were before the season started, wasn't it? That was the mistake. I mean, that's apart from that. What else did they do wrong? <laughs> I suppose the mistakes. I mean, if you want to rewind right the way back, but the mistake is arguably they ignored the the, the message that would come quite clearly from the support about the appointment of Steve Lomas. There was no resounding hurrah. Whereas, they, you know, had we gone for Gary Johnson just to go back a, to a name, I think they would have been a better, you know, people would have been more well disposed to him, giving him a chance. Lomas was never going to get a chance. Um, so that appointment and the, the kind of, um, whether it be deliberate or, or whatever way you want to put well, it, they, it, to fly in the face of the support yeah, wishes. Yeah, they compounded it by leaving it too long to make the change as well. Yeah. You know, it was... Obvious things, but you try and think how they're thinking sometimes, and you can't really. But I remember um, go back to the home game against Derby County, and they stuffed us five one. Mm. And I think Nigel Clough was the manager. I think two weeks after that, maybe no more, certainly no more than three weeks after that, Derby sacked him because they lost the game. Mm. But they were they were they were doing nothing really wrong. But they sacked him. They they made the decision to change, and they brought well, well, the umbrella man. Whether that was a Good idea or not, mm. but you know, and it, you, we, we were still soldiering on with loneliness. You know, beautiful five-one defeat at home. After all, I was saying, get rid of them. Yeah, you get yeah. stuffed five-one at home, and they still didn't do anything about it. Well, he, he bought himself on. time. He, um, after the five-one defeat, well, I know we had the three. We had, wins we went into a little. Spin, didn't we? I, I wouldn't call it a purple patch, but he, we, we yeah, but even, even we. I, I, deep down, I, I, we won three games, and I still didn't think that we were. Well, we did a show sh- shortly the day after. Actually, I think it was the five-one defeat. We did a show here with Derek. We weren't singing his praises, was we? Nick? Not exactly, mate. No, no. I think we were going to organise <laughs> the mean, building of the gallows. I'll just, just play this bit again, Don. You said this. <laughs> <laughs> no, we weren't singing his praises. We were going to organise for a, a lynching in the car park at the time. Um, I don't think we expected him to survive that, and he did. And um, he did. Yeah. And then we've got another two months of misery as a consequence, well, apart from the, the, the string of wins that um, came from that. So you've got to be ruthless in this situation. I, I, you know, Holloway's coming in in vastly different circumstances. There was a bit of a, a recruitment process that went into finding low mass, and I'm not sure that football lends itself well to public sector recruitment processes with all, you know, repeat um, interviews and, and um, PowerPoint presentations. This time around, they went after one candidate. They knew who they wanted. They romanced him, and they yeah, got him. They got their man. Yeah, and that seems to me to be the way that football probably operates. I don't think it lends itself to that kind of, um, you know, interview panel type of approach. Because I think what we got, and it was a panel decision. I think the, the blame probably spreads across those three people that were involved in the in the interview. And we, we got Steve Lomas for our. For our I series. think also if we, I mean, not not just the Randall Lomas. I think one of the one of the, I can't mean sitting here telling the board their job, but I think one of the one of the things that I would say the board haven't controlled particularly well is the squad size and the wage bill. <coughs> now obviously it's their headache because they're the people who put money into the club. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know how true it is, but I've heard our wage bill is like £8.6 million. Pounds. It's a bit of bloated squad. Um, it? And it is a bloated squad, you know, and some of the high earners, you know, if, if a, 
I know it's a different manager now, but I mean, if you go after a player like McDonald, who's allegedly one of the, the big wage earners, you know, you've got to say to the manager, look, is, it, is he part of your fucking plan? Is he going to mm. be the linchpin? Because if he ain't, we ain't paying fucking 15 grand a week or 18 grand a week, wherever he's allegedly on, because, you know, he's going to be a fucking squad player, which is what he's turned out to be. Now, you can blame the manager for that, but actually, you know, they allegedly build a wage budget at the beginning of the year Mm. And as you know, it, it, my understanding is that includes transfer fees, agent fees. They have a pot of money, and if they're all free transfers, then the wages get bigger. If they're you know yeah. transfer fees, then the wages get smaller. But you know, I, I heard them tell you the other day that Burnley haven't got a player who earns more than eight grand a week. Well, traditionally, we I mean Kenny Jacket had a fabled wage structure, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, and this was rigidly kept to, and people would moan online about the wage. You know, we never signed any decent players because of Kenny's wage structure. Yeah. But it gave you a, a team spirit. Everyone yeah. had much the same money. The, the better earners were the better players, and everyone understood where they were with that. I mean, this, this away day meeting that we're talking about seems to be encompassing the whole of the club's business and football strategy. Um, Andy Ambers is quoted on News of Day saying the meeting will be all encompassing. But focus solely on the football side of the club, so by that, I guess not the regeneration thing that is that rumbles on. Uh, the manager will be spelling out the direction that he wants to go next season, and we'll have an open discussion with the board about that. So, I presume that's going to mean um, accepting a certain amount of loss if you can unload some of the higher earners and get shot of them, possibly bringing other players in because that's going to be the other side of the coin, isn't it? Well, also, if you know, in the past month or so, they've signed four promising young youth players. Now, again, if I was the chairman, I'd be saying, well, look, what's the point of giving these contracts if they ain't going to be in the squad? Mm. You know, we say youth players, some of them are 19, 20, 21 years of age now. Now, some pros have played 100 games by yeah. their age. Yeah. Now, ours are still promising youngsters at 21, you know. Yeah. It's young, but in football terms, you know, should they have been blooded? If they're not, don't give them contracts. No. I mean, Ambler here says we'll be discussing at length, at length, the academy and our recruitment policies. We've got a manager who wants to be with us for a long time now and a manager with a proven track record. But we will look back and we will admit to mistakes. Kenny Jacket resigned at this meeting last year, which was a tough time, and possibly when some of the mistakes were made. So, sounds like there's going to be a degree of honesty there and, and people will put their hands up and say... That, that sounds to me like the Jacket was turning or something and they're not listening it does sound like that because yeah. they don't really know what they're doing do they yeah I mean in football terms they don't actually know no. what to do and how to do it they should listen perhaps they didn't listen to him and that's why he didn't he slightly admits that he don't away, and then yeah we will look to rectify the mistakes made this season and learn from those any mistakes that were made were made honestly so I think oh no don't doubt that that, that's, that yeah. says I but mean, they, these fellas are in, in positions that they, you know they're important people in their in their little world. For sure, they? for and sure. They don't like people coming in to tell them how to do their job. No. Nobody does. No. Yeah, but if you don't actually know what's the right thing for you, you don't listen. Then your business will go bust anyway. So there so we are, honesty all round at this away day meeting. Um... Investment in, in the club, I mean, the, the, the scoreboard is obviously an ongoing... Uh, <laughs> oh, the Videotron, the Jumbotron, whatever you want to call it. 
I don't know why I just don't I'd switch it off. Switch it, switch yeah. it off would be. I'm trying to go Tetris, don't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I did read online that Peter had said that they'd been quoted a six-figure sum to replace. So we're clearly talking hundreds of thousands to, to stick in a, a modern quality jumbotron. If we were a different club, then I dare say sponsorship might be available for such a beast. But it's very hard to see how we're going to replace that. They could just fill that corner in, couldn't they? There is an expectation in football. <laughs> There's an expectation in football that you, you have these things now. Never used to, did we? Yeah. I'll tell you what, I know it's not on the agenda, but a similar thing is that what sort of pissed me off yesterday mm. is it was sold out. It's sold out. If that's, that's sold out, then, then they need to do wholesale changes down there. Because there's a whole section to that ground, there's nobody sitting there, just empty seats. So the away, the away in. Even in that, in home bits, I mean the West Lower, and I thought, I'm in the I'm in block four, which I couldn't see up yeah. the other end, but they've still got that whole first section called off. So I don't know what the crowd was yesterday. Seats out, I fifteen thousand seven hundred and seventy-nine. I, I punted at sixteen thousand. Thirteen hundred. Then we're Bournemouth. Yeah, hashtag so, filled it then, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you take if you take do do your quick maths, yeah, take yeah. thirteen hundred away from fifteen seven hundred, you've now got your figure of how many home tickets you can sell, because they said it was sold out, no more tickets available. So those bits where they're not using, they might as well take the seats out and try and put some advertising boards in there and earn some money out of it, because yeah. they're certainly not going to earn any money out of seats. I mean, that must have been, God knows how many empty seats there at £27 a pot or whatever it was. They're just well, yesterday wasn't, wasting it. One of those, not even it's one of those rare games, one of those rare games where we would have sold, and people often say, well, why are we leaving... Seats empty at the way ends, the lower tier particularly. Yes, it was one of those rare events where probably you could have sold the um, the lower tier. There is no history with Bournemouth. This is not a game that's going to kick off. You could easily have stewarded the two sections so they couldn't have reached each other. So the lower tier would have made sense for that one game that you wouldn't need that on a regular basis because we don't sell that many. Uh, we don't sell that many tickets, do we? No, but, but that's that's it now. So fourteen and a half thousand. Home fans, that's all you can get in that ground now. Didn't that's, that's, that's a home set out, 14,500. Yeah. Um, and if they, I mean, if they want to act, act like a big club, that's what Berylson's after, of getting, you know, yeah. like yeah. you say, Pete, hashtag field of den, yeah. then he's looking at 14,500 home fans, and that's it. So they've got a base, everything they do on trying to get 14,500 people in that ground. Well, in the home seats, forget about the away fans, they'll bring whatever they bring. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, the, the big clubs will, will fill it and want yeah. more tickets, and the little clubs will just bring as many as they yeah. want to coach. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter. Forget that. that. Whatever you get from the away fans is a bonus. You know, you've got, he's got to concentrate on selling 14,500 tickets at Millwall. Well, that's our, it. Our, our problem. And we're never going to get any bigger than that if, if we can't do that. So that's it. That's your level. No, you're not going to go any bigger. But number one problem is, I mean, even if we accept just, you're, you're right, 14,500 is our home capacity. Um, we, we don't make that. We probably three quarters make that, don't we? Um, I don't yeah. know where our average worked out this season. No, I mean, in, in terms of home sales, I mean... I always think well, nine thousand Millwall, and then whatever the away team bring takes you over the ten thousand. average perhaps. is probably about eleven. It probably pushed the average up a little bit yesterday. If, if your average away support is going to be in the region of a thousand-ish either side of, that means there's about nine and a half to ten thousand Millwall fans that will come along regularly. At the moment, the task has to be, I think, initially to find, make sure those three or four thousand floaters that came out for the big game yesterday want to come back for the. You know the, the the kind of the classic midweek game at home to um, 
that we've got next season Huddersfield or someone you know yeah. Yeah. finding that is, is, is the, is the holy trick, ground yeah. worry about filling in the corners in, in, in all seriousness or the, or the away end when, when, when it becomes a problem it well, is well, a when, we, when we move to Dartford or well yeah yeah I mean uh, we'll, <laughs> let's, we'll touch on that I mean I suppose you know the, the regeneration which rumbles on there's a um, report that's come out in the week that um, there's now a, a, a war or a dispute between Lewisham Council renewal and Millwall, um, my spies tell me that Millwall are getting geared up for a legal battle on this on this front. Um, Belson does seem to see our future at the den. I, mean, I don't think he would be spending big money. I, I get a sense that he's getting ready to spend big money on lawyers to fight our way and win our slice of the regeneration pie, unless he sees our, our future at, at the den. I, mean, I, I personally think that's that's right. I don't wouldn't want us to move to any other place. Outside of Bermondsey, anyway, um, if you know the people talk about the Southern Park Athletics track, I might accept that if we were to say, well, we're going to sell the den and build a new den three on on the on, on Southern Park. That would still be in keeping with who we are and where we come from. Mm. Dartford, Ebbsfleet, um, I think we would just lose all sense of identity. I know there's arguments against that, but he seems to see our future at, at the at the den, and um, I'm, I'm quite thankful for that at least. Um, the pitch, I've struck yesterday, I mean, players are slipping and sliding on that pitch. A couple of players seem to fall over. We nearly had a couple of Stephen Gerrard type well, incidents. Yeah, we, we had that all done, didn't we? The, the pitch was dug up. We yeah, spent £250,000 on it last season, Don. It was last season, was it? In 2012. 2012. So this is the second season on a new pitch. The pitch was, in 2012, the pitch was, then was relayed at a cost of a quarter of a million pounds, £250,000. Um, Holloway's convinced that we need to improve our, our playing surface as a means of. Um, Improving the style of play that we they should have spent the money on a jumbotron, shouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, the jumbotron don't don't bother me. If we switched it off, it wouldn't bother nah. me particularly. Like the pitch, it's got the pitch right comes first. So yeah, we're going to spend six figures. Some spend it on on the pitch. That's for sure. I remember the old den. The pitch was superb at the old. The ground might have been a shambles, but you couldn't afford that pitch. No. That, it's just surprising because a number of times it was fucking invaded. You know, was, <laughs> you know, perhaps that's where we're going wrong with like, like, you know, boats stamping all over. Brief preach invasion yesterday, wasn't there? At the end of the game, and a good party one, thankfully. Fan on the ball election. Pete Garston won the fan on the, on the, on the ball he, election. He romped home with an avalanche of votes. Well, <laughs> he, he romped home. Um, Six hundred and forty-eight. It's not a lot of votes, is it? I'll, I'll Plays three sixty-two yeah. for, uh, for Paul Turner. What's the two hundred odd spoiled votes? <laughs> the two hundred and two spoiled votes were. Um, there was there was this thing about kids having a vote, wasn't it? If, if you basically if you have the child, if you took your son oh, and on a, right. a membership, yeah, then yeah, technically yeah. they they yeah. had a vote, and I like think they had to son could have voted precisely. Have voted. So um, you know, um, oh, right. new new kids. I think it's spoiled votes. Just I imagine people like join come. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was quite critical of that online, and Wanker. Uh, you know. Having, having formerly been on the MSC and um, been involved in the player of the year votes, you know, I, I raised some concerns before the voting was done. I'll be honest, I did it online. Um, not to stir things up or wind things up. I just thought that the result would be quite close. Mm. Um, and I know from experience that, you know, not everybody puts the right number on their, their voting form. Yeah. Um, the old season tickets used to have two numbers, didn't they? They had one yeah, NEM, yeah, yeah. and the number of them that got you know, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And it's, it's also, you know, a ball-aching task, as Bob pointed out from the MSC, to compare the online votes with the handwritten ones. You know, you've got to check people haven't voted twice. The under-16 thing, you know, turned out to be a mute point anyway. But, but realistically, you know, even within that, you know, when you issue a framework and a set of rules, people will push their nose right up to the edge of the rule and try and step over it. So, you know, I raised the point, they said all under-16 votes can be discounted. Well, my son was 15 at the start of the season, but he's now 16. So if he votes, he's not under 16. But, and that's a trivial point, but actually, it's a fair point. You know, if under 16 votes have been discounted, when my son towards the end of the season was buying tickets for away games or cup games, the club's database knew that he had turned 16 and they were charging him as an adult. Now, obviously, if the MSC have got access to that database, then that's a fairly easy task. Yeah. But it opens up a wider issue for me about what information are the MSC provided by the club mm. um, in terms of databases, lapsed members, all that kind of stuff. You know, they had a fairly long time to prepare for the election, you know, three years. Um, yeah, and you've got to get that sort of stuff right, especially if it had gone down to, if the difference was 50 votes, yeah. you know, then suddenly those questions get asked. 202 sport votes, so... you Wouldn't could, have made a difference. It, it made no odds to the result, no. because um, 648 to 362, so 202 doesn't influence that, no. that outcome, so that was, a, that was a happy ending on, on that front. Um, I, I, I think sometimes it's easy to it's easy to knock the MSC. They are a group of volunteers. Um, it sounds slightly patronising. They're good-hearted people, and I'm aware that sounds um, brilliant. You know, you know um, everyone that sounds a little patronised. I don't mean it to, but um, everyone I know on the MSC have, have their heart in the right place. They want nothing but the best for the club. Whether they're quite what we need at times, I think, is another another question. Is I think that. The mill fans' representation is a, is a difficult task, God, God knows, but um, I think that we're, we're not always best served by what we've got, and um, particularly when we get you know disputes and, and, and um, things of that kind. So, um, thankfully, this this finished. I, personally, I, I voted for Peter, and I'll say that to everyone now. And I think it was the right result that Peter got in. I think he's done a fantastic job, and I think that it was the right. Um, it brings again more stability, more consistency, doesn't it? Yeah. At a time where Potentially, things are going to get messy off the pitch for the region and whatever. Um, and, you know, Pete's got a proven track record. I do, I do hope that Paul, and, uh, um, you know, I think we should all thank for standing because I think that a contest was, that we had a shoe in last time, that wasn't good for Pete, I don't think, to, to just to be, um, you know, uh, deterred with no opponent. Paul did a good job. Um, it got a little um, unnecessarily personalised, not through the two candidates, but through camps on either side and I think that was unfortunate I don't think we need that again in the future but um, well done to Paul Verstein I hope he remains involved I think he's, he's got potential um, as a, as a, as a, you know, on, on the fan side um, OK let's move along The Great Escape let's have a little bit of a nostalgia fest now chaps The Great Escape was this the greatest escape? No, um, no I've, got two, I've got two seasons to throw at you both you're both long in the, in the tooth enough Derek's not here I think he's Slightly predates we three of us. A season that I remember very, very well, number one, which was 1977-78, um, where we won our last six games. We won six straight games from April 15th through to May the 2nd. 
and survive by the skin of their teeth in, um, that was the second division then, wasn't it? I mean, that was good because that was that was grim. I mean, the crowds were 2,600 odd, weren't they? You know, that was, that was. Well, that, that was, that, that, that's the second season I'm going to throw at you, Peter. That, the, the second season where you're down to your level there is 1982-83. I think I put 84 in my, when oh, I, oh, oh, yeah, sorry. 82-83 was a shocker. Yeah. And that was where we were down to 2,000. That was, um, that's when our friend, money, who we always mention, Peter Anderson. Yeah. That's when he went and George Graham. George Graham took us saved over. Us, didn't he? Um, George Graham came in um, late in the season, but you, I'm just looking at something. Was that the Chesterfield away game, Dave Cusack penalty? Chesterfield, game. Yeah, that was the, the, this is the 82 83 yeah. season, that's the, the, the final win of the season that I think brought us survival was at Chesterfield. Uh, Dave Cusack, 66 minute penalty, one minute. Because I think Dean White, was it Dean White was our penalty taker and he'd been sent off? I said, or yeah. was it. Yeah, someone had been sent off. It was that Steve Lovell, or I can't remember. Yeah, but all I remember is thinking, "Fuck it, oh here we go, Cusack's taking the penalty." Yeah, and I didn't even see the ball at the net. I mean, I was on some old wooden fucking benches, and up went all the fans. There you go, yeah. Down came all the fans, and I got buried under a pile of bodies. And you know, it was just a brilliant day out. Yeah, but that was real nerve jangling stuff. So I'm pretty sure, if the memory serves me, we needed to win there. That was good. we were going to plunge into draw. Division Four. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I personally think when you look at the, the, the crowds that season, 1982-83, um, that was Armageddon time. Wasn't it? it was Armageddon. I mean, let, let's let's throw back. So the, the, the story starts in a sense with the Panorama program of 1977-78. The club was reeling. I think that that, that you know I know that we all. Um, we will look fondly on the, on the clips on YouTube, but they left us as a club um, with this reputation of being the, the devil incarnate. Uh, we started that, that season, 1977-78, with losses at home to Crystal Palace, 3-0. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, it was a bad season because you for yeah. Joyce opened the Millwall Market. Well. You for Joyce opened terrible. the Millwall Market. Terrible um, season. We, we, we were on the ropes. Um, we went into um, 21st in the table, 22nd in the table, at January the 14th, when we lost at home to Brighton 1 0. Was, was it Wrexham one of the last games again in 77? Last game of the season, of that, that season, was Mansfield at home. We won Mansfield. Mansfield. Mansfield that was a midweek games. game. Wasn't um, that the season where the fucking there's a ground closure? We, we played a no, game at Fratton Park. It was, it was oh, I mean, memory's playing tricks on me, but yeah. there's about, about 15 teams that could have got relegated. Yeah. Um, it was all on the same point, or it was like. Is ridiculous. There's only two points for a win back then and one for a draw. As we went into the final so month of the season, points, all going into the last game, and everybody had the same points. Something like that it was. Yeah, I mean, you know, we looking at players like Trevor Lee, Ian Pearson, Brian Hamilton playing in midfield. We entered that final month of the season. Um, George Petchy. Petchy manager. Twenty yeah. first uh, in the table. Petchy was managing us. Um, then we produced six straight wins, six wins, um, six wins on the spin to survive, but the club was um, on the back foot from that. We, we were relegated to Division Three, I think, the season Next after that. Next year we went down, yeah, uh, and we struggled in Division Three. And that it? takes us to um, nineteen eighty-two to eighty-three season, where we've got such uh, legendary incidents as the Slough Town away game in the FA like Cup, where I think the, um, the the chairman at the time was Alan Thornfriend to close the club down as yeah. a result of. 
um, disruption caused in, there's a polite word for it, isn't it? And that disruption. Sounds, sounds a bit like disruption. things on the line. It does disruption in Slough as a result of that. Um, was that when the Super Den was first muted as well? It was, the uh, Super Den was um, mid 70s, yeah. Asda wanted to yes, redevelop Coldwell Lane right. and build a stadium attached to the, a bit like what Crystal Palace did. Yeah. Um, but no, you look at some of the crowds in that 82 83 season, and, and you're, you're right. I'm talking about Wrexham at home, we drew one each in front of 2,945 people at Coldwell. Because I was on the halfway line against Wrexham, and the players could, it was like a reserve game. Yeah. The players could hear every bit of fucking abuse, and there was plenty of it flying about. So yeah. Cool. I mean, just looking here, I mean, there's, there's 3,000, um, 2,000, something, 900, you know, you're talking yeah. about desperation. Days. George Graham came into, as, as, and he, I still believe he was the saviour of our club because I think had we got relegated yeah. to Division 4. Um, 2,806, there it is, we beat Exeter City at home on the 26th of February 1983, 5-2 uh, at home to Exeter. Was that the Tony Tag hat trick? I think that was the game, wasn't it? It was a hat trick by Dean Neal. Oh, Dean, Dean Neal. Um, Trevor Aylott. There's another name. Trevor Aylott. Nicky Chatterton with a laser. Trevor Aylott. In front of 2,800. I've got to tell you this, I've got a photo indoors of my, my boy Nick when he was uh, under sevens or something playing for a club called Vista and Trevor Aylott. I've got a photograph. I found it in the loft the other day. He's <laughs> <laughs> photographed <laughs> 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 Who the fuck was Trevor Aylott? You don't want to know. Nick, you don't want to know, mate. <laughs> You're better off remaining in ignorance who he was. Willie Carr must have been in that. Willie time, Carr. Um, Andy Massey. Andy Massey. Good Paul window cleaner. Paul, <laughs> um, Paul Sansom in gold part, then Peter Wells. Um, Lovell Stride. There's a name I'd fall back called Stride. Ex Chelsea, wasn't it? Yeah. Stride. I've gone for mine. Laurie Madden. Sam Allardyce was playing in the team. A lovely moustache, yeah. He did. Um, a youngster called Teddy Sheringham played that season. Um, one, one appearance. We'll never make it. Fucked him off. Fucked him off. Yeah. yeah. And Iceland or somewhere he went. He went to Sweden, didn't he? Sweden, or somewhere. Was it? Yeah, they sent him off. Desperate. Dean, Dean Horrocks also played that season. Desperate times. Yeah. Um, we were, when George Graham came in, um, we worked there at Division 4, and I personally believe we would have gone out of business. I don't think we would have made a comeback in Division 4 crowds. Um, so, Although we've done well this season, it was a great escape for Ian Holloway. We weren't quite staring at that level of desperation. We had, no, no. If we'd have got relegated, it might have been a bit grim, but we had a future next season. I don't think we would have come back from the 1982-83 season. So I think the collective view here is that that was the greatest escape yeah, of all time, 1982-83, George Graham. So Until next year. Until next year. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we're going we're gonna to close out the show now. I've got a little... I don't have any of these will work, but we've got a little quick fire round. Um, I've nicked these from the Danny Baker show because I, I, I lacked imagination, so I just stole them from his ideas for his show. Um, thanks, Danny. Thanks, Danny. Um, keep them coming. You're very good with ideas, and I'm, I'm not so good. Fans or teammates who were enigmas? I, I did some of these the other day on the show, but I thought I might ask you boys. Enigmas, enigmatic fans or enigmatic players. I found Etienne Vervier quite a mystery player because he, he's quite a skillful Midfield, a Dutch Suriname, came from Switzerland, and you wonder what strange circumstances bring him to, <laughs> to play at the den. <laughs> yeah. So I found him quite an enigma in his, in his time. Or the two Russians. The two Russians, yeah. Um, <laughs> Gin soaked Russians, I think is the phrase. I always think it's, it's like the, the theory of multiple universes, that in a multiple universe, anything's possible, and it, it must be one of those multiple universes that claim to 
get these two Russian World Cup stars to the guns of Millwall. <laughs> I mean, we talk about strange fans. I mean, how long we got? Fucking. I mean, there was there was one guy. I, I, I never knew his name. It was always red cheeked, and we called him Rosie, little stocky guy. And we were going to Manchester one, Man City, and we were playing nine car bread on the train, and he lost all his money. Right. Yeah. He didn't out. even have the sense to keep the nine quid or whatever the entrance fee was. So as we got off the train. He, this forlorn character went and sat on a platform bench and went, I'll see you after the game, boys. And we looked at him and went, what? And he went, I've lost all my money to get into the game. So we had a whip round and got him his nine quid back and I just thought, you know, why would, why would you, you do that? Why would you do that? You'd save your, you know, enough for a hot dog, a drink and a, a programme, but no, he was cleaned out and... and it, it, apparently it was quite a regular occurrence. Yeah, yeah, had a problem. And then there was another fan, I can't remember his name, he used to go down the train borrowing 50p off everyone. <laughs> and he used to get off the train, uh, uh, you know, thousands of pounds richer. And he did it every week on the specials, you know, throughout a little cup. <laughs> with everyone throwing 50p in. And... Disastrous or desperate substitutions? I mean, some of the substitutions we've made this season have been desperate and disastrous, haven't they? The five striker, the six five striker. strikers on at one time. I think that's been quite desperate. Um, in fact, I would say those have been some of the most desperate substitutes I've ever seen. When I used to love it years ago when an outfield player used to go and go. I remember Nicky Chatterton going and go. I think it was against Fulham, and he had a fucking blinder. No, that you don't see so desperate much. substitution. You don't see that so much because of the third. He only had one yeah. sub back then. Yeah. Didn't you? I think David Donaldson went in goal. David Donaldson and Chelsea. And Chelsea yeah. had going goal because we'd used it. Well, one sub was in the And we drew right. one one. We, we mentioned it yeah. before, didn't we? Yeah, that was the away game at Stanford Bridge, wasn't it? Um, another famous event in the in the club's uh, annals of, of, of history. But yeah, Dave Donaldson had the going goal that day. Yeah. Ray Goddard got injured, didn't he? Yeah. Good goalkeeper, Ray, Ray Goddard, actually. Yeah. Incidentally. Appalling debuts. Appalling debuts. What's the most appalling What's debut? Right? John Granville. John Granville, Andrew Oliver was the, uh, the other one we spoke about. I don't know if you're old enough to remember, I'm going to throw a name at you. That's Chris Kelly, the Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Um, he came with much repute. Um, younger listeners will probably need to know that he, he was playing for Leverhead and they had a, an FA Cup run. And this was in the era of Muhammad Ali. So the, the sportsman that shot his mouth off on TV was a, you know, acquired celebrity status quite quickly. Leverhead had a bit of a run in a cup, and I think they beat a. I don't know if they beat Chelsea, they beat someone in, in the cup, and suddenly Chris Kelly was this personality, and he was slagging off the professional game, he was, he, he, he was giving it the, the, the big one. And we all signed him, and we played him up front, and he was awful, it was useless. And he was the most disappointing, because I expected a lot out of Chris Kelly, I thought he, he was going to bring, bring some such of showbiz pizzazz to us, and he didn't, he was like, that's a shit. I think one of the, uh, one of the disappointing players we signed who made a debut was one of the Wallace brothers. Again, there was the, the, yeah. the trio of Wallace brothers. They was all at Southampton and, yeah. like, and they all had rocket-fueled fucking pace. Danny Wallace. And it was it Danny Wallace who came and signed for us and he yeah, was complete dog yeah. shit, the geezer. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> dog shit. And we all thought, did they scout the wrong one? Because there were three Wallace brothers. They all look the same. And you can imagine the scouts. Go look at this uh, little tricky winger whose name's Wallace and then coming back with a wrong one or something. <laughs> How dedicated were you as a kid to your football, Don? Did you what did you do that was went beyond above and beyond the call of duty? To I was oh yeah, from an early age I was mill mad. Yeah, I? yeah. I, I can remember I lived down um, 
Dyke Street around the back of East Lane, and there, there was no grass or anything around here. Mm. There was a St Peter's school and there's a concrete football pitch yeah. in, in yeah. the park. We was always over there playing football and all that. And I still remember, like even back in in the in the sixties and all that. And I was uh, you all had to pick be someone. Right, the older kids would say, "Right, we're going to be, you know, playing for George Best." Be yeah. oh, I be George. Yeah. No, I was, I was always uh, Derek Posse. <laughs> Who the fuck in hell is he? That was me. I was just like Mill. Everything was Millwall, Millwall, yeah, Millwall, yeah. Mate, you know. Who was he? It was Millwall's top scorer, younger listeners. That's who he was. Great player. Goal of the season with us. Goal of the season. Goal of the season. I met you with as well. I was done done all the once. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. Yeah. He's still out on Twitter, Dunglewood. He's he's got an account on Twitter. He's got a post match. It broke my heart when Posse signed the Crystal Palace. That was when Malcolm Allison came and signed up. Painful. Uh, Gave all nicknames, made up nicknames. Called him the Sheriff. I always remember he. On the back of their tracksuits, our Derek Posse went to Crystal Palace and they gave him a false nickname he never had before and they called him the Sheriff because of Posse. Oh, that's a utter, utter crap, isn't it? How dedicated were you, Peter, as a kid? Dedicated, can't hear you talking. Bonhomme Estate, midweek games were off limits because my dad always worked and I was a bit young and school nights mm-hmm. and whatever. So what I used to do, I, used to, I worked out, if you walk to the very far end up near Bacon School of like the Verney Road end of the Bonhomme Estate, and you sat on a wall that you could hear the cheers from the den. You could see the floodlights, yeah. and you could hear the cheers. And I used to sit on this fucking brick wall at half past eight, nine o'clock on winter's nights, trying to work out whether the cheer I'd heard was actually a fucking gun <laughs> or a corner. And it, this was in the day before results were live yeah, and yeah. Sky Sports... And I used to run home and I'd say to my mum, I think they won. I heard two loud cheers. <laughs> but of course, if an away team bought a big away following, yeah. you then had the added complication of, well, there's been a goal, that's for fucking You don't know who it's for. But was it West Ham or was it Millwall had fucking scored? And that, that for me was dedication, sitting on that wall, cutting a forlorn figure, trying to work out the fucking scoreline from the cheers. That's dedication. That is dedication, mate. And forlorn figures, you cut a forlorn figure here today, Peter. Uh, <laughs> I apologise, I'm an absolute despicable human. Late night, tired and emotional, but I want to thank both Don and Peter for coming in today. That's the show, that's the season. Ollie says it's my greatest achievement. I'm not sure I quite believe that. Um, mm. I think Blackpool going to the Premier League must right. be, might have been better, or even Crystal Palace, I suppose. And At least he's saying the right things. He's saying the right you things. Know, he knows how to win the fans. He's a box of frogs, ain't he? Oh, he yeah, is. No doubt about it. There's all the pictures of him dancing in the car park. On yeah, Twitter two pictures of him. They're doing like EIO in a car park. I can't imagine Kenny doing that, can no, you? No, can't. So thank you, chaps. That's the, that's the Achtung Mill show. That's the season. We'll be back probably in August prior okay. to the start of the new season. So thank you all. Yeah. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the CBL Magazine podcast. Brought to you by Coblo Lane Magazine, www.coblolane.co.uk.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.